How you doing, Eric? Can you hear us? Sorry. I can hear you guys, but some for some reason the camera is not working. <laughs> no worries, man. Uh, welcome to the All Elite Zone. Thanks for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for. Uh, we had a cancellation today, so thank you for filling this in. It really means a lot to someone. Uh, get. Uh, yeah, we're for uh, AEZ overtime. Uh, as Lane said, thank you for coming on. Uh, I, feel like, I feel like I'm doing an old school call in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, we can all go around and uh, uh, Chris, if you want to start us off. Well, 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 if it isn't Eric Redbeard, first off, my name is Chris Downs. I'm a, I'm a fan of professional wrestling. And um, my question to you is, uh, Mr. Eric Rowan or Redbeard, um, um, what, during your uh, during the time in the WWE, what's the deal with that uh, the spider thing? Uh, is it real? Is it robotic or what? It's a storyline that was never told, so everybody just thinks it was a spider. How's that? No, uh, <laughs> it, it, it was a hundred. It was a hundred different things, and then I was showed this mechanical spider, and then Vince like wanted it shown as a spider, but then the next week it was killed immediately, and that was the last you saw of it and me on that program. Ooh, wow! So it was so so it was a mechanic. I knew it. Oh, it, it, it looked bad. It looked very bad. Oh. I agree. Oh, man. Um, do, Eric, do you have a great Vince McMahon impersonation since we're, since we're talking about his ideas here? <laughs> uh, I mean, every, everybody's got their own, own opinions of the man. He's a larger-than-life character. Uh but as far as impersonations, I mean, it's just he's he's loud, he's he's abrasive, he's he's scary, uh, and, I, and I've seen him not be that way with other people. Uh, luckily, I've rarely ever had the wrath of Vince, but uh, it's just loud and yes, perfect, great, that's good shit. That's good shit. That's so Eric. Eric, big fan. Uh, love love all your work in the ring. Um, so one of the questions we ask here is basically how you got started in professional wrestling. So what's, what's the background in your story of how you got started in professional wrestling? I mean, we all watch as kids or think we do. We're all probably just playing around. I remember my parents had it at our cousins and uncles, you know, on closed circuit. But us kids didn't care. We just were running around playing. <laughs> And uh, fast forward about 99, 2000, uh, right when I graduated high school, right before, uh, I started watching some more, you know, getting back into it, kind of. And I remember watching, I don't know why it stuck with me, there was a No Mercy pay-per-view, uh, and it was Kane and Tess. Yes. And I thought, damn, those, those guys are like my size. I was 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, at that age. And I was like, damn they're athletic they they can move it's like that that inspired me like maybe one day nah i play some called football and i ended up getting sick but i would watch pay-per-views with my uh my buddies in college and got got really into it after i got sick my sophomore year got like a respiratory virus and uh they didn't diagnose it for like six months so i went through a whole problem with weight gain and uh, being on oxygen and so it just it just wasn't you know fun so i was like well what am i going to do next my, my grades are plummeting because i uh missed all the school because i was sick so i was like all right i saw a wrestling show that was local so i went with a buddy my first ever wrestling show i've ever went to and on the card was a local guy from minnesota named mitch paradise and he was facing the current wwf cruiserweight champion jerry lynn and I watched that match, and I fell in love with independent wrestling, which I didn't even know about. I didn't know that was the gateway to get in. So I decided to tell my parents that I'm quitting college. Uh, I'm going to work at a gentleman's club to survive, and I'm going to train to be a professional wrestler. Very nice. So, uh, yeah. And then that was a long, long, long journey. Uh, but, uh, you know, things worked out. And about eight years later, I, I made it. So. 
it, there you it go. all worked out. That, wow, that's Let's, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry. Oh, so you say you worked at a gentleman's club. I, I take it you're a bouncer. Do you have any stories about those times? Uh, I got I got one uh, <clears throat> that always sticks out to me just because it, it. I mean, there's always the funny stories, but then there's the serious stories. So this is probably one of the more serious. Uh, uh, we were we were leaving shift one day. I noticed that the parking lot, you know, light was dark for some reason. Uh, we'd already got escorted the girls out of the building, so it was just me. Uh, another one of the bouncers and the manager season and as we were leaving uh i see greg his name we called him g uh he was the bouncer big dude he just decided to start sprinting and running away so i start sprinting and running away and i turn around and the guy's got a shotgun oh man and he's holding us so we have to and the guy or cell phones were like a big deal and everybody had them in their pockets so it's like 4 a.m it's dark it's out in the middle of nowhere and yeah we went back and uh i specifically remember i was starting to train to be a wrestler so like i think i like tried to mess with the guy and like I bumped into like an air conditioner with my knee and hopped towards him and he like, you know, he cocked the gun back and said, don't fuck with me. Sorry for the language. And, uh, you know, I didn't screw with him. I went to the back of the building with the other two and uh, he started zip tying me uh, with little Ziplocs and had the gun pressed to my lat. And when that was going on, uh, G, who was also laying down, decided to, to rush him. And when he rushed him, um, the guy got off of me. But as soon as G jumped over me, he got shot point blank in the chest with a sawed-off shotgun, double barrel. Oh, my God. So my first reaction uh, was to pick him up over my shoulder because he dropped he dropped like he was nothing. The guy's like 265, just, you know, just a muscular dude. And he just collapsed. And, like, I remember picking him up. Um, Season was already sprinting to her car. Um this was like on a like a 70 mile an hour highway as well. So like I picked him up, looked this guy in the eyes, didn't know if that shotgun had a second shot ready to go because it was double barrel. Uh, but I just turned around and uh, ran up to the highway, flagged down the first truck I saw. Um, the guy looked petrified, didn't want to help. Uh, but uh, season came the wrong way down the the highway because she had her keys still on her and uh yeah we rushed to the hospital I was holding his wound the, all the way there you know giving him prayers and you know he made it they never did they never did find the guy though and i, I blame i blame you know a lot of that on like the stigma of gentlemen's clubs and the guy that was shot was was black and i think the town of st cloud at the time st cloud minnesota i'll say that aloud i think that they were they had some racist cops that's all I'm gonna say. I believe it. Oh my wow. gosh, that's crazy! Wow, wow, jeez, <laughs> that, that that's a scary experience. Oh, that's scary. Uh, well, I guess I'll go next. Uh, of course, you you team with uh, Brody Lee, Luke Harper a lot in uh, your career, at least in WWE. Uh, what was one of your favorite matches that? Uh, like a match that stood out to you when uh, when you when you and Harper teamed up together. Uh, you know, like our matches with the new day, really clicking together with the Bludgeon Brothers and the. Match that we had together as a team uh, when he came back for that short bit when it was uh, Hell in a Cell versus uh, Roman and Brian. I think that was the most fun I ever had in the ring with him. Wow. It was fun to watch. Yeah. Um, so, speaking of... Sorry. I was going to say, it still doesn't seem real that uh, Brody Lee is here. Uh, this is a dream match of mine, but... Uh, but you and uh, Brody Lee and AEW versus uh, uh, 
uh, who is that person talking about? Oh, uh, John Moxley and uh, like uh, like Eddie Kingston. That was one of my dream matches that I wish that would have happened. Well, I know, I know. Whenever I wrestle, he's he's always, you know, there either uh, laughing at me screwing up or uh, laughing at me doing a good job. <laughs> so, um, speaking of your time um, with the Wyatt family, uh, what was the hardest part of your whole gimmick and character? Uh, like, what was the hardest part, like trying to figure out how to, you know, develop and especially improve it for like the main roster after coming up from NXT? Um, the hardest part for me was getting over the basically they, they like to like screw with your mind at NXT at that time. So like they wanted to make you to feel like everything you did was wrong. Uh, and it was it took me a few years on the main roster to say, hey, why did I get rid of like I got, I got rid of some some bad habits. But like there was just like move sets, different things I did on the indies that like I didn't start doing until later. But like that's only because my mind was so screwed up from uh, NXT and just second guessing everything I did. And it wasn't until I was working the main roster guys at the time. And you got to remember they're, you know, Kane, uh, Henry, big show Undertaker, Like they're all these big guys that have been around for years. You had, you had punk, you know, regularly on the roster. Mysterio was there. Like, so like we, we got to work with a lot of like very talented guys that, that Jericho, like everyone who, they been around and done it. So we had a lot of good advice at that point in our years. And I think the, the system at before it became what it is now, like it really screwed with people's heads. It really sounds like a crazy version of a, of a sports entertainment boot camp. Wow. Like I didn't realize it was that into breaking down, you know, people as, as a wrestler. I know that they without polished independent wrestlers, just from what us fans see, but I, wow. I didn't realize they really, broke you down like that that's crazy i remember when uh they had john brody uh they they were making him wear like uh trunks it was the weirdest thing so like, at the time i was doing a viking gimmick and i had an extra pair of like black trunks and they made us tag wearing black trunks and it was <laughs> the, the, it's just because that's what big guys are supposed to do they're supposed to show their whole bodies and like no that's, it just felt <laughs> uncomfortable and not and not us that's not him right. especially. And like even with him, it's like they, they wanted to slow down his moveset and not have him do like half the stuff he could do and and uh, just make it as generic as possible. Because hmm. I know there's that famous story of him uh, with Brody, you know, t- having to get that southern accent, even though he was a very well spoken, you know, mm-hmm. someone from Manchester was Manchester, New York where he's from, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. That- very well spoken, we're very <laughs> articulate and uh that story always cracks me up because I always remember going up to him and be like, what the heck you mean you can't talk with the Southern accent? I mean, if I, if I, was like, I was like, just try to sound as hillbilly as you can. You'll be fine. <laughs> but yeah, to me, that, that, that story is true and it's just ridiculous. I agree. So, um, uh, obviously, a few of us are, are big fans of uh, Busted Open Radio. Uh, one of our favorites on there is obviously Bully Ray. Uh, he talks about locker room camaraderie and, and, and just, you know, the different fields in locker rooms. So, going from WWE and then, um, you know, to, to AEW locker room, what, what was the feeling for you there? Like, was there a different sense of feeling in WWE when coming over to AEW? So, so it's funny because, like, every time I've been over at AEW, it's like the guys that congregate to are the guys they already know, the guys that I've shared locker rooms with, or the guys that I've done some indie shows with. And, like, I I, I know these guys. You know, it, wrestling, it, maybe a, you feel like a big world, but it's, it's pretty small. And everyone's kind of just one big family. Uh, so, like, if guys are going through crap together in a, in a, in a crappy setting or if the morale is bad, they, they still cling to each other to, to make everything better, you know? So even like the worst morale I've ever had in WWE, it, the one thing I look forward to was hanging out with the boys. So I don't, I don't think there's much of a difference there. I think just morale, 
the morale in the locker room. And I'm sure that happens in AEW. I'm sure guys get upset. Yeah. They're not they're not getting pushed the way they want to. Their character's not being able to do what it wants to. <laughs> but at the end of the day, you you don't write the storylines. Like, do you have more control over your promos per se on one show or the other? Maybe. Maybe it depends who you are. It's all case to case. I don't like to make assumptions on what people can do. And, uh, you know, if I see something that's bad, I like to think it's, it's, it's something that's, you know, maybe like, oh, man, like, I wonder what it was like before that. Or maybe he did better with it. Or maybe he did worse with it. Like, I don't know. Nobody knows. That's the whole fun of wrestling. That's the whole fun of watching it. I can sit and watch a match. Like, tonight, I think, before I had to go run some errands, but... I, I watched um, just the opening match with MJF and Adam Cole because I was curious. And it, it got me hooked because it was that old school style of wrestling that I love. You know, the easy story. They didn't do anything too too quick and flashy. They, they sold all the moves. It looked like a fight. It looked like a championship fight. And, like, that's how you draw in viewers. That's true. Let me ask you this: Next. Was there was there anybody that that pulled you aside as far as like in the WWE and kind of, uh, I guess, took you under the wing as in, in, uh, in uh, I guess uh, in the way of saying? I mean, like I said, I was I was lucky. I got to I got to tag with uh, a very knowledgeable uh, guy and learn from a guy over you know, and. And learn to be more comfortable with what I do. And my whole goal was to be different and do different things than anybody else. Hmm. So, uh, so you talk about watching that uh, the MJF yeah. and the the Adam Cole match, and it's old school wrestling. You were actually I, I did some research on you, Mister <laughs> Eric. Uh, you were trained by. Uh, the trainer of champions, Eddie Shark, uh, Sharky. Um, what what was training under him like? A former AWA star himself. What what was what's the training? Was that kind of the feel you got from that match and that kind of training that you got once you started in it? Man, it's just fundamentals. It's letting the fans know who the good guy and who the bad guy is right away. And I'm not just talking about the Adam Cole baby. They're gonna cheer him because he's you know Adam Cole. It's like what he did in the match. And if a, babe, if, a, if a heel, that's blatant heel, you know, MJF goes outside the ring, he, whatever, whether it's a plant, which I hope it is, or just some poor kid that he punches in the face and flips off their hat and glasses, uh, which I don't advise to any workers. But uh, I'm saying, like, you know who the good guy and bad guy is. And, like, when he brings in the, the title and tries the Guerrero spot where he falls down and yeah. – the ref falls over, and then it's like, oh, the baby face has the belt. Is he going to do the noble thing? No. He's Adam Cole. He's, he's going to take advantage, but he's still the baby face of the match because he's taking advantage. And then the crowd bites on the finish, but the dude kicks out. So, like, that's the kind of the old school story that gets people still involved today. And that's, like, you know, people talk about spamming moves, doing, like, 100 moves. It's like, if you do 100 moves and the guy kicks out, like, your moves, are you, they suck. <laughs> That's the way to put it bluntly. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. <laughs> uh, Michael, do you want to go next? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so, uh, this is going to be long winded. Uh, 2014, I went to my first. Oh, there's my cat. 2014, I went to my first live event in uh, Greenville, North Carolina. And I believe you faced the big show at that event. I actually pulled it on my Facebook before the show just to make sure. Um, I remember in that time period, I think they uh, split up the Wyatt family. And I'm just curious, why do they do that? And how did you feel about it? You know, I don't know why they did a lot of things they did, but you always take everything you can as an opportunity to do something. Yeah. I hated my first baby face run. I hated it because I would get to television. I'm six foot, you know, eight, 300 plus pounds. I'm a baby face trying to be established, but yet you have me lose every match that's on Raw or SmackDown. It was funny because I'd go into TV and if I was on a Superstars or a main event, I would know I was winning without asking. If I was on a Raw or, you know, 
SmackDown with a match, I know I was losing. That's that's how predictable it got. And that's just me coming to work. Like, I'll yeah. do whatever you want me to do. But there was no story uh, to say, hey, this guy's losing. Because I remember, like, I had that match. And, you know, people make fun of it all they want, the stairs match. You know, but, like, it's a, stu- you know, it's a stupid concept. But, like, here's this baby face being established and it's just to get big show over so that he looks like a threat for Roman. There's all these different layers that go in to whatever. And I remember specifically doing, I hated doing house shows because I was the only baby face that would be, you know, losing every match. And that was just to keep show strong so he could look good for Roman. I remember my debut at Madison Square Garden and, you know, was a match with big show that had to go like four minutes long. I, I, I wasn't allowed to have any sort of comeback. Because, because, and uh, Arn Anderson was the producer, and he's like, "I'm sorry, big man," uh, but it's like it's like they they wanted him to come out later on for the the main event, and we were like semi main, and that's just the way stuff happened. And you know, I I'm I'm glad eventually I got to have another chance. It's like a you know a singles heel, which I thought I did a lot better at until I was given that cage. But like. You know, it's 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 just having opportunities and, and and making the best you can of whatever opportunity you have. So if I could, you know, people remember the stairs match for good or bad. People still remember it. So I may try to make the best of whatever crappy opportunity I had, uh, regardless of, of booking or being told I could speak or wh- whatever. If I if I couldn't speak, I'd try to come up with different fun, you know, gimmicky ways to get people interested in me. What do you uh, think about your time with uh, Daniel Bryan? That's one of the my favorite parts of your time in WWE. What, yeah, was, what do you yeah, think about that? I, yeah, good question. No, I I I, I love that. Uh, I wish they would have showed more banter between us, but I think it paid off when I finally was able to tell him off and tell him why I was pissed off because like those are real feelings I was having. Like the company kept me quiet for so long. I I I had so much I wanted to say, and that could have went on for a long time, and it could have. You know, they talk about this business, which is why I'm a huge advocate in these house shows for guys coming up. Uh, because in and people, you know, say, "Oh, the house shows they get people hurt." No, they don't. Like, you just learn how to work so you can work 200 days a year and not get hurt. Uh, it's, it's, to me, it's. I learned more on the the house shows doing things than I than I ever did on the main roster. I ever ever did on television. It helped prepare you I, for that. Do you think you have more? I guess I get. Uh, well, for like like of a better word, more freedom doing house shows. Um, with uh, at the time, that's all I can speak for is at the time with WWE. Yes, you had more freedom. Were there things that I didn't want you to do on house shows? Definitely. Uh, we couldn't change matches. <laughs> I remember once when I was tagging with uh, with Daniel, we had some tag match. And I think, you know, Gunther, Walter was at the time. Um, he was up on some shows. And Daniel was a huge advocate on getting a match between me and him just so he could watch from backstage and, you know, laugh at the boys because they just want to see two two big guys beat, beat, beat the living shit out of each other. Uh, but... No, it's like, to me, it's like when I was there, the stuff I did in house shows, if I did it on TV, then you'd have Vince get upset. Like, oh, he's, he's pandering to the crowd too much or, oh, he's doing this too much. Or, oh, yeah. so, so it's, 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 it's a lot of different, you know, things and advice. But at the end of the day, TV, when I was there, was for a party of one. You pleased him. If he was happy. You did your job. So while you're traveling, um, doing house shows, um, especially going to different countries, was there any like country like cuisine or food or dish that you liked that was really different from what you uh, would normally hear in the States? You kind of cut out a little bit. Sorry. Um, you're good. Uh, I was asking. So with your travels doing house shows and going to like Japan and Germany, was there any like, place that had like a really unique dish that you thought you weren't going to like, but you ended up enjoying a unique dish. Yeah. Oh, wow. Nice question. <laughs> uh, you know, 
I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of fish, but I'm I'm I never I'm always wary of looking at my fish. Uh, so I, I think a lot of like I fell in love with like the you know like the the trout that you could look at and then tear apart. It's kind of like a smoked trout. Yeah, and they they have that a lot in Scandinavian countries. So like they would like for breakfast, you just go down for breakfast, and they'd they'd have you know just fish looking at you, and you just peel back the scales and rip out a big ass piece of fish, and there's your breakfast. <laughs> so that's probably that was always something I always looked forward to that and locks and all sorts of stuff like that. Oh, cool. So uh, I'll try it for sure. Uh, I don't know if it's true or not because you take everything you see online with a grain of salt. But uh, do you plan on pursuing and pursuing an, an active and an acting career? Uh, 100%. I'm doing it right now. Uh, awesome. I mean, I mean, I, I look at it this way for, for years. I wrestled as like, I want to make it as a wrestler. And, you know, what's the quota of making it as a wrestler? What does everybody want? They want to make it to the top company. They want to make it, you know, on the, the top shows, you know. And I pretty much did that consistently for almost nine, ten years. So, like, to me, that's cool. But, like, now I have this other goal, and it's it's acting. And it's e – either of them are easy journeys. You know what I'm saying? And mm – -hmm. Any kind of win you get is, you know, is awesome. Any kind, so like to me, anytime I audition and I and I get the part and I go on set, that's me winning and getting experience. So like, right. I just I just filmed a, a a small indie film the last couple of days, and just being on set for two days, you know, that creativity I got to do on set and collaborations I got to do with the director or learning a little bit more about and how to do the stunt coordination side of it too. Like that's stuff like when you're on the main roster, that's those learning experiences that are going to make you better for the next thing. I want to show this one comment uh, of our live viewers. Uh, would you want to be in a Thor movie? <laughs> uh you know who would who would who would who would say no to, to making some good money with marvel uh what i would i would rather be in one of eggers uh films you know you saw him do northman you saw him do uh the lighthouse you know you saw fantastic film yep yeah so like I, I'm a, a big fan of, of, of movies that have depths and characters because that's something for years I didn't get to show. And I want to show the layers, you know, of these characters that are written and written wonderfully. And, you know, working with, you know, directors and how to bring that character to life. Like, that's the cool thing. You know, somebody writes something on a piece of paper and then there it is in front of you. Like, that's cool to see, you know, yeah. how it all starts from... Like I did a short film for a buddy of my very talented buddy called Tito. Watch it on YouTube. Uh, but uh, you know, I got to read the script and then be there for the whole thing on how he created the whole the whole thing from script to uh, the whole world. And you know, it's it's just amazing what people can create with their mind. And I think that's what I always loved about the movies. You know, whether it be a horror movie or a drama or a romantic comedy, like there's there's just so much that goes behind everything. And, you know, the actors are just a small piece of it, you know. True. What's your favorite genre of movies? I mean, I'm, I, I'm a horror fan. I mean, I always go wrong with that. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting more into the the beauty of the the, the indie drama. Finally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I agree with that. Finally. My, yeah. little, my, little, my little girl's happy about that one. <laughs> uh, so, Eric, my, my question is, is um, you're, you're from Minnesota. Uh, we might have a little beef. I'm originally from Chicago. So, um, but well, I, um, I don't have beef with anyone from Chicago. I mean, that's Wisconsin. Oh, that's good. That's good. Wisconsin? Okay. 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 But my question is, um, 
from someone who's from Minnesota, I've been there quite a bit. I've been to Duluth. I've been to St. Paul, St. Uh, uh, Cloud, like you mentioned. If, if people are visiting Minnesota, what are some good food places they should go? So we were talking about food earlier. I'm a foodie. You know, we're, I think we're all foodies. So like as, as a hometown boy of a uh, uh, hometown, home state boy of Minnesota, what's some places you would uh, recommend to people? Man, this is terrible because I've been eating in so much lately. Uh, <laughs> well, that is a miracle. I mean, I mean, I went to, I, yeah. I went to Ma- Mallard's. It's a nice like uh, they got like fish dishes and and like just home cooked meals and and you know cocktails. Uh, I mean, it there's there's a difference between like getting good food and then getting like food and games and fun, you know. Like yeah. we we have yeah. we have pinball spots. We we got <laughs> arcades. We got uh, you know all all the beaches and bar. I'm a I'm a I'm a bar hopper. I, I love bars. I, I built one in my house. Uh, even Sweet. if I even if, even if I'm not not drinking down there, I'm still spending time down there. Uh, so so I I don't I don't know as far as like the foodie thing. Like you know, save your money, kids. Uh, <laughs> I agree. Getting great life say, advice with Eric. I will. I will say if you if you haven't been to if you haven't been to Duluth in a while, I haven't been. But the one place I enjoyed there was called Tavern on the Hill. Had some really good burgers. All right, I thought you were gonna say Grandma Bees or something. <laughs> <laughs> the the Grandma's Marathon originates at this Grandma Bees restaurant. So that okay, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Duluth. Yeah. Uh, I do want to just one comment. Uh, Eric, would you wish my mom a happy birthday? Her name is Brenda. How old is she? She's actually my grandmother. Uh, <laughs> oh, uh, well, this is my <laughs> uncle. Uh, she's gonna be, I believe, six, at least 70. 70, she'll be 70. And her name is Brenda. Yep, all right. Happy 70th birthday, Brenda. And I'm sorry Yay. that you have a disappointment as a grandchild. Oh! 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 oh my God! Got him! Because you never, ever say a woman's age on the air. Oh! Sir, <laughs> that's why Connor is single. Oh! You gonna regret that, Wayne? Yeah, it's okay. I'm gonna be kicked off once. I'll be <laughs> um Eric, so take me back. How was filming uh the Wyatt compound match? Like how, like what was going through your mind when they approached you with the idea and then executing it? Like, did things go as planned? Did you guys was it just kind of free off the cuff, or like did you guys have set spots that you guys were wanting to do? That was a nightmare shoot. We filmed so much more than that. Uh, it was Florida, humid, bugs. Uh, we we filmed so much. We were there for two days. Like they only used a small fraction, edited weirdly. Uh, there was just so much. Like it. It just. I didn't like the way it came off at all. Uh, at all, and only thing i remember from that day was was braun being like you know i can go through this 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 windshield and <laughs> us all looking at each other like well people at home aren't gonna know it's real they're just gonna think it's a fake windshield so he's like, well, I, i'm sure i can break it and i was like well yeah i was like yeah you're gonna break it but you're gonna get cut up and i was like do you want to be all cut up in the swamp Ooh. So yeah, he he went through it, and uh, yeah, he he bled profusely. <laughs> that just sounds like a staff and then, infection. And then, and then I'm like, was that worth it? Because we could have just got a fake winter. The real the Wyatt. It's not hard. The Wyatt compound match was that the match that took place during the pandemic, or am I thinking of something else? That was that's, that's that's the one I said that's the one I said no to. Oh, they, really? uh, they 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 called me for that. I think I like had three days left in my contract of the ninety days after it let me go, and I think I was already three weeks into like filming Dose of the Ozarks out in Arkansas, and, um, and they called me. They're like, "Hey, we want to use you." I'm like, "Yeah, um, I can come on Sunday when I wrap this movie, but I'm not leaving them after three and a half weeks <laughs> to come help you." 
<laughs> wow. That's understandable. I mean, yeah. you know. And then and then I watched it and I wasn't a fan <laughs> of that one either. <laughs> did you like any of the during that weird time of the pandemic, uh, did you like any of the cinematic matches that they were shown, or do you think it kind of took away from the heart and soul of what professional wrestling is? The only thing I liked during the pandemic era wrestling was the passionate promos from Edge, the promos from Drew, uh, just it elevated them and make made them not do wrestling promos. And Edge was always good with that, but like you know, especially Drew, it's like he connected more with people because people looked at his eyes, they looked at his emotion. Nobody was saying boo, boo, boo. I mean, I saw a viral clip of poor Finn trying to cut a passion promo with the crowd just singing songs. Oh, uh, yeah. That and, was, then, that was and, then, and, you know, what sucks is, like, if you're, you know, an actor in the theater <laughs> and you've got somebody, you know, screaming in front of you, there's a reason they have rules because, like, their performance is going to be thrown off. And mm-hmm. if, if he's trying to cut this passion Romo, yeah, he's like, how is he going to shout the crowd? Like, how are you going to take him seriously? I mean, you know, he's, if you get flustered, you're like, ah, I'm, I'm serious. I'm, I want to say something serious. Well, I don't believe it because we're singing a song here. Uh, so, like, during the pandemic, there was none of that. And you got to listen and you, you got hooked on these promos. That's a good point. That's why I'm a fan. That's why I'm a fan of longer backstage things as well. But, you know, obviously, within the live crowd, you want to keep them happy too. Yeah. yeah. So you kind of have to meet that median in a way, because especially when you see like the backstage area and see the different, you know, emotion and stories being told, you know, especially looking at going back and looking at how Mick Foley, you know, was in the, in boiler rooms and mm-hmm. seeing how those played out. Like, I feel like that's something that's kind of a missed art nowadays. is just the backstage experience. I mean, truth be told, I don't know how the the crowd could be happy at a WWE show because I've been to two Raws and they play endless commercials. They ain't keeping me happy. Nothing, nothing worse than getting an entrance and then standing out there for the, for the commercial break of three minutes. It, it's so awkward, like being there and seeing it. Like, <laughs> all right, your entrance is up. Well, what am I going to do out there for three minutes? I don't know. Just stand around. <laughs> Just flex your muscles. There you go. <laughs> uh, some, uh, one. Uh, would you like to be in a John Wick movie? Yeah, I'll be the guy that gets killed by John. Number <laughs> number number seven thousand two hundred and twenty-one. That's a good. I mean, I mean, I mean as, long as, as long as I get this cool fight scene like Common did, I think I'll be okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was a pretty good scene. So everybody listening now, make sure you tweet for you know the next John Wick movie. Make sure that you know Eric plays you know Thug Number One, and make sure he has this long, great fight scene. Oh no, I need a name. I, I can't. I can't. I can't be Thug Number Wick. One no more. Gotta have an actual name. Okay, we'll find a name for you. Yeah, we'll find a name. So Eric, Eric, you mentioned uh, horror. Horror is one of your favorite. It's one of my favorites. I, I worked in the haunted house industry for about ten years, so horror has been like with me for my childhood. Um, what What was the very first horror movie you ever watched growing up? The one that sticks out, and I don't know why it always comes back to me, is House. Uh, oh. Oh, such Man, a good movie. Yeah. I remember being a little kid and my parents had one of those little tents in the living room and <laughs> whenever a scary part would come, I would just go hide in the tent. <laughs> uh, and so that was one, like one of the first and I remember whenever I would go to my uncles who lived on like a, you know, like a, a farm, horse farm slash whatever cornfield. I remember he made me watch uh, Children of the Corn. And in the middle of the night, middle of the night, they came, him and his wife came and they basically picked me up out of bed. I'm like, I think six, seven years old. They picked me up and then they tied me to a stump in the cornfield. What? Seriously? And then like, I'm screaming and they're like, Malachi, 
<laughs> so that 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 always stuck. That always stuck out to me. And then I remember I just started loving horror movies. I once I tricked my younger sister into watching uh, one of the Friday the Thirteenth movies, and I said, "Hey, we're watching London." And it was just kid because the kids go. were going to camp and they were riding. And I'm like, "They're going to London." And then once the first guy got killed, my mom oh, up and you can't have your little sister watch this stuff. <laughs> You like that story? Yeah, I do actually. <laughs> yeah, I'm, glad, hey, I'm glad she agrees. That's. I think I honestly, honestly think Eric, if they if they redid House, you would be a good Big Ben. <laughs> I'm telling you, you would play a great Big Ben. Uh, I could see it. Uh, I, you know, I'd I'd rather be. Uh, in a remake of the Father's Day skit and just uh, oh. the old the the old dead guys that can a suit say say, oh. say Father's Day. Okay. Uh, I want my cake. Yeah. I finally got my cake. I want to show some happy birthday. Uh, <laughs> uh, we were talking earlier. Uh, my grandmother's on here. Uh, we uh, Eric. I wanted to. Thank you for my birthday wish. I absolutely don't mind anyone knowing my age. I'm very blessed to be my age, and I am a Evan. Evan or something. Evan. Well, Brenda, <laughs> thank you, and I'm sure that you forgot to, you know, do the CK at the end. But I, I don't blame you. I, I blame my grandson. Yeah, beef with Connor, Eric. <laughs> Oh snap. Um only with Connor from the Ascension. Oh here we go. Oh man, I feel bad. Here we go. <laughs> bang, bang. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, that, uh, Ryan Connor is probably a good friend of mine. That's uh, like the rebel. So with your uh, love for horror movies, was there any idea from, like, say, any of your favorites that you want to incorporate with the Wyatt family or or as um, as the Bludgeon Brothers or just by yourself? Was there any, like, kind of character idea or, you know, almost a scene that you wanted to kind of make your own and bring it to the WWE? Uh, yeah. I mean, first off, I mean, look what I wore. I wore uh, coveralls, <laughs> like, all, all uh, Slipknot <laughs> and all... Uh, uh, Halloween, Myers. yeah, Michael Myers. Good point. Uh, a good point. So, so I was a big fan of Texas Chainsaw too, and the camaraderie between uh, Chop Top and you know Leatherface. And I always right. assumed on TV I was the Leatherface character who wanted to be nice and just wanted to be loved, <laughs> and Brody was Chop Top. <laughs> The loud, okay. arrogant guy with the plan, um, where the plan doesn't always necessarily work out, which is why you know uh, it was always my idea for him to slap me around, like get me upset, like stop taking. That's good. You know, so like, so like we would do, we would do stuff like that, and I'm like, well, we're kidnapping guys like Miz. We're you know kidnapping kids. They're not they're not showing what we're doing. What great character development with me like trying to be the good guy. Even though, like, in a second, I'll like smash your brain in, but you know, while I'm being nice, like, <laughs> then uh, you got you got you know John in the background, like you know, being the mean one, and that that's like the perfect story and the way to show the characters and how they can be lovable. They'd be these crazy heels. I agree. I love get level heel. That was going on. Somebody just broke in his house. But they never wanted all, to show it. All Brody it needed was, was the show. hanger. That's all Brody needed was the hanger. Yeah, <laughs> right. You know, they didn't want him to talk because he couldn't do a southern accent. <laughs> Still baffles me. <laughs> oh man. I just. Uh, uh, so you. Uh, so where did you train to wrestle at? I asked a lot of wrestlers on here that we have. Uh, so where did you train to uh, become a wrestler? Well, I know uh, Adam said who you were trained by, but. Where did I train? In Minnesota. Yeah. In Minnesota. So he, he was he was out of, uh, I, I think, I, I can't. I don't know. if It was just a suburb of, of Minneapolis. Uh, but, yeah, that was with Eddie Sharkey. And then. You know, your training never stops. So, like, 
I, I did that in 02. And then fast forward to 07, I went to Pro Wrestling Noah and I trained in the dojo uh, while doing a couple tours with them. And then I basically, you know, when I came back from there, I had a, a one-year-old at the time and I was a single dad. So I, I, I wasn't in a, the opportunities to be like the traveling indie guy. I couldn't go to the ROHs. I couldn't go, you know, out of the Midwest. And the minute you do that, you stop getting better. You just kind of stay the same. You get stuck in a hole. You think, you know, it's like that, uh, that's that big fish in a little pond syndrome, uh, where you're just stuck and you're not improving. And anybody that works, work everywhere you can, as many different people as you can, as many different crowds, you know, in front of as many different people, different kinds of crowds as you can, because that's what's going to make you improve. So, yeah. So, so luckily, you know, a few years after I was in Japan, I was able to get signed with WWE. And then I, that was another. Then you're training with developmental. You're training with Norman Smiley. You're training with Ricky Steamboat, uh, Tom Pritchard. Uh, I think I said Terry Taylor. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I'm just saying you have all these other guys. Then you get on the main roster. Then you're on the job training and you're training with, you know, all the the legends you watched as a kid you're training with all the up-and-comers you're you're having producers like fit finley and being able to learn from those guys and you're you never stop learning i mean then fast forward you do the indies now and it's like if you work somebody that's not as good as you then you got to think on the fly you got to think how to make this match as good as possible given the talent you have in the match and so like to me you're 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 always learning you're, you're never not, no matter what kind of entertainment business you're doing, you're always learning something new, whether it's wrestling, acting. I mean, if, if you're not learning something every day, then you might as well just have a zombie job because you're going to be happy with that. If you think you know it all, then just, just stop what you're doing. What was the That's deep and real. Um, what was the biggest piece of advice that you got from uh, Ricky Steamboat? Uh, it's funny you say Ricky Steamboat. Uh, so it's it's that getting that fire, that real fire underneath you, uh, not being timid. So, like, if somebody gets in your face and they're pushing you, are you just going to push them and be like, get off of me? Or are you going to push them and, you know, like get the f off of me like <laughs> like like you want people to believe it so i remember he was doing stuff uh to, you know and we were in this uh in fcw it was like a there was like two or three rings in this like little like uh warehouse and so we had all these different classes going on and i'm in a ring with ricky and he was pushing me and trying to get me to like be be verbal and I remember I almost pushed him on his ass and started screaming at him and cutting a promo. Like, because he wanted that out of me. And everyone, like, stopped in the cl- and that was doing whatever class they were doing. And they were ready to, like, stop me from hurting Ricky. <laughs> wow. Because and, and not because I was going to do anything, but because I had that fire that he was trying to teach to come out of me to show. Like, hey, I down. can I I can come out of that show and and be vocal and make it look realistic that I want to I want to I want to kill this guy. <laughs> so like hmm. that was a lot less than I learned from him. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Like that, you basically it clicked. That's that's crazy. That that one moment. That's all it took to click, and then everybody stops and just, wow, that is incredible. They, they were you were that believable. That is amazing. Uh, I don't want to take, too, take out too much of your time since it's a very late interview, but uh, does anyone else got any uh, other questions? Oh, I have one more. Right. Can you tell us about any pranks? <laughs> pranks? Of any kind. So I, I never had time for pranks. I mean, I'm I'm a dad. I, I, I don't got time for shenanigans. Uh, I mean, I, I... So, like, I never got got screwed with i never had people like like rib me like that you know not that i can think of that left a lasting impression on me 
and I don't know why. Like I remember being in the dojos and they would they'd rib the hell out of these some of these young boys. And I was like, then I was like, how come they're not doing this to me? Like I want I want to get ribbed. But uh <laughs> but no, I didn't. I didn't want my my clothes stripped off and thrown down the chute of the second story <laughs> building and then make the poor poor young boy have to run downstairs naked. No, I didn't I didn't want that. That's oddly descriptive. <laughs> Yeah, I do remember. Uh, I remember. I remember watching that and being like, "Yeah, I, I, I'm glad I don't have to do that." I do remember one time WWE had a show called Swerved, and you were on there, and this, this woman, and oh, she came yeah. up to you. All right, they, 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 so they tried to pull something on me for real. Like besides that, they. Uh, now I remember. Thank you for reminding me, because I was pissed. Uh, <laughs> So, so like for years, I tried a, a Viking gimmick, which I was told would never work in WWE. And this was like before Vikings was even like a huge thing. And, you know, now there's obviously the Viking Raiders, but whatever. Uh, so, so like this is a few years after, you know, we were already debuted with Wyatt Family. And I was told by one of the TR guys, hey, you need to go into this room. Like they, they want you to cut some promos and, and wrestling gear or you know as a viking because they want to they're thinking about switching your gimmick and and i was like i looked at the the stuff and it was like these these fake horns and like just <laughs> fake fur and i and i turned and looked at uh Carano and i was like well this this is bullshit i was like i was like i, I tried this gimmick for years if, 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 i was like if you want to look at old tapes from fcw where i was uh cutting all these promos in front of dusty i was like you're more welcome to go look at it but if you want me to wear this ridiculous costume and try to pitch something that i pitched for 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 you guys for four years you're out of your goddamn mind and i'll go to vince right now and i just walk out the door and start walking towards vince and he had like run after me and stop me no 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 it was a joke it was a joke <laughs> Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you can't joke around with guys that are away from their families, and like, we just don't got time for that. Like, we're already yeah. gone enough. Like, and we got to deal with enough crap that's personal to us. Like, like I didn't like that show at all because it was like you do understand that our life is on the road, and like we're we're making sacrifices to be away. Like we, we didn't want to be ribbed. It was the, the stupidest thing. I think I saw one where they like, didn't let one of the guys into the building. And I was like, that's ridiculous. That yeah. would have been so pissed off. I believe uh, Rick Flair was more around. Uh, and he, <laughs> yeah. he got mad and he walked all the way down the street. <laughs> and then he, uh, yeah. Um, Thanks for yeah. reminding me of that. That's, yeah. <laughs> I apologize. I do apologize. <laughs> So, so yeah, no, I. Uh, go ahead. Uh, no, no, I, go ahead, Adam. I'll, I'll, I'll oh, no, I was just going to ask. My my final question was, um, I, I I marked out hard when you showed up uh, with the Lucha Brothers in AEW. Uh, when will we see Eric Redbeard back in AEW? Because I'd love to see you back on TV, man. Real talk. Uh, when there's a need for for big men to uh, actually have programs. Yeah. I, and you know, or if there's a need for uh Wardlow to get his ass kicked by somebody, <laughs> hey. yes, please. Um, please, the follow up with that question, please get an Eric Redbeard Wardlow match. Oh my god, I would love that. His ass kicked. So, follow up with that question, the I can do a whisper in the wind. Come on now, <laughs> <laughs> oh. he's big, catch me right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a follow up with that question. Meaning, meaning, meaning he'll fall over. <laughs> yeah. But um, the few times you appeared in AEW, was there ever interest in having you in full time, or or has it just always been like this is always like a one off thing or it's, something? It's it's always been 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 one offs, and you know, okay. seeing seeing how some of the bigger guys are used, like, or the lack of you know like big guys, it. It doesn't make me hopeful for where my place would be in that company if I was yeah. to to be there, and that's that's all you look for when you look for wrestling is like where do you where do you fit in where does where where would you fit in, and like right at this moment I don't I don't see where I would fit in um, unless I 
you know, had had a feud with somebody. But like that's that once that feud's over, what's and most feuds now are so weird. Like they last like two weeks. Feuds yeah. should last a month. I I love that about wrestling back in the day because like you you look forward to these monthly pay per views, and that's what I would get together with my buddies in college, and we get you know a cheap meal and sit down and we we put like five bucks in a piece and we we watch this pay-per-view and every match in the pay-per-view had these stories that were built up and that's what i look forward to like oh shit so this match is happening because this guy did this and that yeah i've been watching every week like i know what's gonna happen like they're gonna have this epic fight now like no matter what match it was like there was there was stories and like I feel like maybe three three or four matches have like a kind of a story and the rest don't. And I don't know what, what the reasoning for that is. And I, it just makes me not want to watch wrestling. Yeah, that's definitely. Me, that's just me as a fan. Yeah. 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 I, I agree with that. Yeah. I mean, to add to your point with the big man, I mean, Wardlow is amazing. And I I feel like they dropped the ball on Wardlow like plenty of times. But he's he's great. I think they can do I, 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 I enjoy him. I enjoy Lance Archer. I've always been a fan of uh, Miro. Uh, there's uh, that Hobbs kid. Like I've seen a little bit from him, but like, hmm. he, like he doesn't. They don't. They don't. Aren't on TV enough. Yeah. They're like. To I like, agree. You know, Mor- Morrissey's always in a group. He's not like the Impact Morrissey. It's a different character altogether. He's not having right. these. these these long matches and then like i'll i watch some things some people do and it's like the the major the major problem with big guys in wrestling i'll just say this is like my kind of like huff buff is that when you watch mma there's you have heavyweights and then you have light heavyweights and you you have all this so mm-hmm. if, if the heavyweights take a loss hey they're taking it to another heavyweight right in wrestling, you don't have that. So, like, if you're constantly losing to a guy that's half your size, and this isn't a knock on anybody in sizes and all that shit, but perception's the reality of what people see. And if I'm constantly losing to, like, a Rey Mysterio, I'm not just saying that because I don't want to call anybody, and Rey Mysterio's just known for being one of the greatest small men in, in history. But if I'm constantly losing to Rey Mysterio every week, just getting beat and beat and beat and it looking like a squash match, where's my credibility? Yeah. yeah. If you don't have any at that point, because it almost reminds me of that meme that you see with Ray and the great Kali. And who is it? Was it Kali, Big Show, and Mark Henry versus or that meme, that clip? It just kind of like once in that kind of hit, I feel like a lot of credibility for for Big Man kind of shifted a little bit to where it wasn't as believable. And we and we have a, a a difference of like the big guy in that that show. There's a lot of guys that are like less than half their size, and that, instead of just cycling, I I feel like they cycle the big guys in to be like the the one that like the smaller guys got to to beat as like an obstacle, but then they disappear after they beat them. Yeah. They don't, we don't need you or we need you reset yet. And, uh, I, I hope that changes. I hope they do something about that. I hope some of those guys get storylines at the top. I hope they get like month long storylines where like yeah. whoever the champion is, whether it be MJF or Adam Cole, like, Oh, he's got to go through like they did it with Lance a couple times where he had yeah, to be yeah. the guy that fought page. They had some great matches, but yeah. like, let him run with the ball. Let him beat him. Let him yeah. be champion. Let people have. It's not going to hurt the credibility of the smaller guy. No. To uh, not at all. Have to overcome this guy. So that there you go. It's like two or three months where this guy's on top to establish credibility. So when he finally loses, it, it means more. Especially right. with like a guy like Archer, because I love when he yeah. Because yeah. I loved when he would just throw Marco's stunt around like like it was like he was nothing. That was always my favorite parts. You know, during you know his time, at least during the pandemic portion of you know his run. So I'd love to see that come back, where you know you mull through a few people, beat a few you know normal you know normal sized guys, and then have that big 
you know, that big monster of a champion. That's why I love to, I love to see Hobbs or, you know, or Wardlow be on top of that card. Cause I bet, you know, one of those two monsters are even Archer. Archer, one of my favorite Texans. I think, you know, I think he would be a great world champion for AEW or even hold the TNT belt. Yeah. And like, uh, on the flip side, even like almost, I feel like he's almost, lost. yes. I feel yeah, like he's losing that. his credibility. Like, yeah. And, like not that he ever had it because he never beat anybody and he's going to, and he's the, but the worst thing is he's the heel too. Yeah. So he's, he's the big guy that can cheat. He has like a mouthpiece out there to help him win. And to me, just up optically, it just, it just sucks. Like, and I'm i I'm a fan. I want these guys to do good because the, the better everybody does, the, the more people, more eyes are going to want to be on the product. Yeah, I, I feel like I 100% agree with you. I think that was what Impact was doing uh, right for a couple of years, and they had Moose and then uh, W. Morrissey. Like you know, when, when he and you know Big Bill had his run, like I remember watching him here in at, in Dallas or Hard to Kill, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like he is he is what I wanted him to be in WWE. It's just crazy to see almost every company right now is having a hard time with their big man. I feel like they're not booking them as consistent. Yeah, well, then that's that's been a problem for for a while, for for a while, decades. And and I agree with I, you on that one, Lane, too. With with Impact back in TNA when they had Abyss, Abyss was one of the Abyss, best yeah. big bands in TNA. He was he was one of my favorite wrestlers in that promotion, and they just dropped the ball with him like later on, and fumbled I don't know what happened. Yeah. They fumbled the whole thing. The the only company that seems to be using a big man as a champion is uh, the NWA. And uh, he doesn't seem to ha- he doesn't seem to have a whole lot of challengers. No, which, yeah. no. which is well, interesting. Could we, like, Eric, yeah. could we see Eric Redbeard versus Atiris? Yes. <laughs> I don't think anybody's itching to pay uh, top dollar for that one. <laughs> hey, I'd, I'd, I'd pay <laughs> for that. You don't know that, bro. <laughs> I don't know. My my whole my whole gimmick's about the music, man, and the NWA don't have no entrance music. I don't. Like oh, that. that's I, true. Yeah, I don't, they're, I don't, still, they're still studio. I, I, I don't. I don't like that. How can I? How can I be a be a fan of heavy metal? Want to promote heavy metal and not be able to come out to a metal song? I mean, yeah. I, mean I, I had a Monomarth right get in the ring for me. That, I mean, that's my song. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I guess I'll ask one last question to uh, end the stream. Uh, you, you talked about MJF uh, later in, the stri- in the, this interview. Uh, do you feel like MJF is the last true heel in wrestling? Absolutely not. I mean, I think he's 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 one of the biggest dickheads. Can I say that? Uh, <laughs> of course. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, talk, I mean, you know, actors talk about method actors, and I'm like, man, this MJS totally method. I'm, I'm sick of it. Like, like, get over yourself, man. Uh, like, be, be that be that character, but you know, behind closed doors, like, man, just calm down. Like, this is this isn't your you life. You say they believe his own bullshit. I, we we know it's fake. And if, if fans if fans enjoy this legitimately, like this twenty four seven charade of healness, cool. Mm-hmm. Like I remember when I was in the Wyatts, I dressed the gimmick and I flew, you know, with it. But like at the end of the day, I had a passport. How to how to get on the plane? I got a driver's license. I didn't give that up. Like <laughs> right. people know. Like I, I tried I tried not to tweet because like why would we have Twitter? But like you know, this this day and age, you know. We're, we're here but also yeah. in this day and age you, you can't get away with saying certain things you can't get away with doing certain things and there's this mm-hmm. line and i know he likes to cross the line and, and and be edgy and and i love his work in the ring i love his heel work when it comes to in the context of a match if that makes sense like yeah. i i think he's great i get it do do okay. I think he's method, and do I think do I do I just not like the method style in wrestling? Yeah, I don't I don't like that. It's 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 2023. It's it's a completely different guard. You know, it's it's I don't know. To, to me, it's it just it just sprinkles with all sorts of things, and I I don't want to get into it with you guys, but like I like it, and I I like it, and I don't. How's that? Yeah. That makes sense. Fair yeah, enough. That's hundred percent fair. You don't. I do. You don't think you can carry the the cult gimmick on Twitter? 
like the Wyatt family. Like, that guy's running a swamp right now, just doing cult stuff. You don't think you do that on Twitter? I mean, I mean, this is TikTok, just one big cult. I mean, don't, don't, don't you guys hear about this English kid that just goes and terrorizes people, and it, then like he never gets arrested? Hey, I just robbed these folks. <laughs> but it was yeah. on TikTok, so it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is a real, this is, this is a real, this is a real kid, and I'm like, and I'm like, well, there's a gimmick. He just goes and he's just an asshole to everybody. <laughs> Breaks the law, like commandeers trains, but you know, it's for TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. It's for yeah. the views. So the kids say the views. For the clout. So as, as long as people buy in his t shirts, he's doing a good job. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, met, I met MJF one time and uh probably worse than he is on TV, honestly. Uh yeah. Um yeah, I really appreciate you coming on, uh, Eric. Uh, we had a tag team coming on. They canceled like five minutes before. Who was? Interview. Uh, I don't know if you may not, you may or may not know them, but they're called the uh, the uh, the like Outrunners. The Outrunners. The you no, know, I heard of those guys. They were like the American Gladiators kids. <laughs> really? Huh. Okay. No, I don't know. Yeah, you had them. <laughs> Mister doesn't pull any rings. I, 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 it would have been great. It would have been greater if I could actually think of two American gladiators. Like that was Blaze and Thunder's kids. Yes, Blaze. Blaze and Thunder. Yeah, Blaze yeah, yeah, and Turbo. Turbo. Yeah, but I can, you guys can totally see it now, so it works great. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully, yeah. hopefully, hopefully they follow through with their commitments in the future. Yeah, it was a uh, good start for the business, boys. Yeah. <laughs> They uh, they're attacked in OVW. I don't, I don't want to go into what happened. Or... No, no, I'm sure, I, 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 I'm sure they're yeah. good guys. Uh, and, keep uh, it they, they, they have a little buzz, so I know who they are. So, yeah, they're, they're, they, they seem like they're they got their heads on straight and know what they're doing, <laughs> right? Yeah, uh, yeah. we definitely appreciate uh, it was very last minute, and I'm uh, just thank you for doing this very last minute. Uh, Much appreciated. So, uh, yes, thank you, Eric. No, thanks it was a pleasure. for uh, thanks for the different questions that I no- that I normally get. That's probably why I stayed on so long with you guys. So I appreciate it. <laughs> well, thank you. We appreciate you. And hey, if I'm uh, from Minnesota, I'll buy you a beer. How about that? Uh no, you're from oh. Chicago. Fun fact. Fun fun fact. I'm down south now. Have Eric Rowan. Eric Rowan is the first professional wrestler I've ever talked to, so that's pretty cool. Really? For me. Yeah, first professional wrestler I ever talked to, so that's pretty cool. Pretty cool experience.